God's extravagant love, that's really what we've been talking about for the last few weeks in our generosity series. Before we get into things today, I did want to say thank you. Um, Some of you in the room are a part of the inner workings of the church, and when things are needed or when things go wrong, you step into action. And those of you who got your text this morning, you know we had you know no water pressure this morning at the church and had to decide what to do. And a few of you kind of stepped up and figured out a solution and got it all back and running. And so just a, one illustration, I mean, there's so many different layers to our church family and different ways people serve behind the scenes. There's people who process donations, people who run the office, people who administrate things, people who lead in all the various ministries. I just wanted to say thank you. You, kind of, you know who you are and uh, we appreciate you. And by the way, if you didn't get texts this morning about all of that, it means you're not on our primary communication feed, and you should probably sign up for it. Um, but uh, it didn't end up mattering anyway. There was, you know, first text was, hey, there's no water. Next text was, yes, there is water. So you didn't really miss a whole lot, but, the, uh, but you never know. You might miss something really important someday if you're not on that list. All right, when we talk about living generously and what that looks like as a Christian, today we're going to wrap up with essentially the premium version of generosity, okay? So, so far we've talked about how Jesus has been generous to us and now we follow him in that same pathway. We've talked about compassionate giving, lifestyle giving, strategic giving. Today we're going to talk about sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving is when you give not out of the abundance that you have or something extra you have, but you actually give what you otherwise would have needed or wanted for yourself. Uh, sacrificial giving is when I think about serving Jesus and other people more than I think about meeting my own needs or fulfilling my own desires. Now, if you've ever been a sacrificial giver, you look at that and you recognize right away, yeah, I remember, I know what that feels like. Probably all of us, in one way or another, have been the recipient of someone else's sacrificial giving. Hey, obviously Jesus first, but also on a practical level. Would you not say that you've seen people step up and give you something that they otherwise could have used for themselves, but instead, out of generosity, they gave it to you, right? Parenting is a big exercise in living this way every day, right? Because sometimes if you're a parent, you could sit back and reflect, like, what would I be able to do with all of this money if I didn't have to spend it on all of these kids, right? Um, or what would I be able to do if my schedule was clear and I could do anything I want? So sometimes different things in life almost require you to be a sacrificial giver. But the best version of it is when you do it not because you sort of have to, but because you want to. And today we're just going to explore a little bit biblically what sacrificial giving means and also start to put it together to see how these four kinds of giving actually add up to a very adventuresome life that you and I can live. Not only on our own, being generous, but together as a big family, as a big team. When we all live this way together as Christian believers, life is really exciting. Okay, so we're going to start studying that in the book of Acts. So if you want to turn there in the Bible to Acts chapter 4, we'll get a little window into what it was like to be among the first generation of Christian believers. So after Jesus rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven. He gave the believers the great commission, what we talked about last week. He said, here's your mission in the world. And those people started to multiply. Those people started to share Jesus with their neighbors who became Christians, who shared Jesus with their neighbors who became Christians. And the church started to grow in Jerusalem and then eventually all across the world. 
What was it like to be in the first group of Christians? Look at chapter 4, verse 32. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. So essentially, in this Christian community, all the needs were met. They were met by the generosity of one another. As people were following Jesus together and they encountered a need, immediately it was met. So you would look around and you'd say, well, sure, there's, there's need out there, but all of our needs are met. Pretty amazing, right? Still something we would strive for today. Then the text gives us an example in verse 36. It says, for instance, there was Joseph the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. So just as an an example of generous giving. Think, well, I don't know how much that field was worth. It must have been worth something significant for it to be mentioned here, right? I mean, this would have been a big gift here in the early church Maybe even a strategic gift. Maybe this is what was needed to keep things going, to keep meeting the needs. Someone needed to give a large gift, and here Barnabas steps up and says, I'll, I'll sell what I have and I'll give it. Okay, So that's one example of what that early Christian community felt like. Everybody was sharing what they had, and sometimes people were making major, sacrificial, life-changing gifts to help one another. Okay, 2 Corinthians 8, we, we talked about a couple weeks ago. That's the story of that impoverished church that was known for its giving, that even a church where you, you might look at those, that group of people and say, those people should be getting, not giving, but they themselves had such generous hearts that they were like, no, no, you have to let us participate. We want to give what we can give. Okay, and then if you go to Philippians chapter 4, we'll have one other example of this dynamic. And as you read the New Testament, remember sometimes you're reading just direct instructions for churches or for people like us. But in the midst of those instructions, we also, on a kind of a first-name basis, we get to know some of the people who were living in that first-century church context. Just to kind of show this isn't all theory. There were actually real people trying to live out these principles in that first generation of Christians. So Paul was one of those. Paul was out preaching the gospel, and sometimes people would help him. They would support his ministry. Other times Paul had to make tents That was his profession, to to get income for his ministry. So we hear a little bit of that story in Philippians 4, verse 14. Paul said, even so you've done so well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in... Even when I was in Thessalonica, you, didn't, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts that you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. And then, the object of all giving, 
verse 20, now all glory to God our Father forever and ever, amen. So little window into the scenario Paul was in. Here was the church of Philippi supporting him, helping him. He's just commending them. Say, I don't even need anything. I just want to let you know that when you have a need, God will supply for your needs out of his glorious riches, just like you're helping other people. It's this premise that all of us, we're not islands unto ourselves. Our goal in life isn't just personal happiness. We actually become a channel of God's blessing to other people. So when God blesses you with something, time, talent, treasure, opportunity, you're not just thinking, how do I leverage that for myself? You're thinking, how do I now add value to other people through this resource? How can I bless other people through what I have? It's actually a really exciting way to live. So we're going to walk through it a little bit. First of all, when you give sacrificially, really when you give anything, if you think about it, this is true. Giving to something means giving up something. Does that that seem right to you? Anytime you give to something, you're giving up something. You're giving up what you otherwise could have spent on yourself for what you could have done for yourself. You might be giving, if if you share something with another person, you're giving up your use of that thing. So anytime, in essence, anytime that you give, there's an element of sacrifice involved. Sometimes it hurts more than other times. But anytime you give, you're giving up something. When you give to, you can look at that as that's the difference you're making. That's the accomplishing something good that you're looking forward to. But when you give up, that's, that's where you showcase love. So this plays itself out if you think about it. When, when someone gives you a gift, you might, that gift might actually really help your life somehow. right? So that would be the celebrating like, hey, wow, this helps me. But the the reason you feel love when someone is generous to you is because you start to recognize what are they giving up in order to give this to me. And as soon as you recognize that, you feel love and you say, wow, thank you so much. It's not just about the good that's accomplished, it's also about the love, the sacrifice that is behind the scenes. That's why when Jesus saw the, remember the scene in Luke 21 where Jesus and his disciples saw people putting money in the offering box at the temple? So, you know, sometimes they would make a big show of it because back then there, you couldn't just give online or through one piece of paper check or something. Sometimes you have to bring your bag of money and actually drop it in the box. And so the people who are motivated by public appearance, the people who had a little more pride in their heart, well, they would, they would want to make a show of it to make sure people knew exactly how much they were giving. So you might have a kind of a rich, pompous person swing through and they come by the box and they, they start dropping in those gold coins or those silver coins and you hear the clink clink, clink, and everybody turns and looks and goes, wow, like look at how much that guy's giving. Wow, and they're, they're applauding, thumbs up, wonderful job, what a great giver. And then the Bible says that a widow comes by the same box and drops in two tiny coins. In our economy, that might just be a few pennies, essentially almost nothing from a value perspective. And Jesus looks at that woman turns to his disciples and said, that lady has given more than everyone else. Now, what did he mean by that? She didn't give more value. She gave a greater proportion. He said, because she gave all she had. So she gave in a deep way, sacrificially. She had nothing to start with. She still found a way to give. That's a lot different than the pompous rich guy that has lots of extra 
money in, he walks by and he's doing it for a show, he's not going to miss that money. Here's this poor widow who takes this great step of faith and puts her all in the offering. Sacrificial giving. It's not just about the amount that you give, it's actually about your heart in doing it. It's about what you have left over after you've given. Okay, so giving to something always means giving up something. And when you embrace that, you start to realize that there's actually a little bit more to it. It's not just a transaction, all right? We're going to get to that in just a minute. But I wanted to tell you a little bit of my story of being a recipient of generous giving because I've seen in my own life how the different kinds of giving can come together and can literally meet needs that you would have no other way of meeting. And sometimes God uses you to be the channel for someone else, and sometimes other people's generosity is directed at you. So about 10 years ago, that was the story in my life. Um, I felt God was calling me to move here to Michigan with my family. This was before we had an opportunity here at the church. Uh, We came to this area just to work over at Life Action. And when you sign up with Life Action, a lot of people there get paid the way missionaries get paid. So you have to raise your own support from friends and churches and things like that. So that was our story. So when we, um, when we set out to do that, we really didn't have that much to start with as far as money is concerned. But we thought, well, you know, Lord, if you're calling us to do this, we're going to have to trust you to make this happen because we don't have the resources. Like we weren't independently wealthy to just do it on our own. So um, the Sunday that I got up at my church in Ohio and gave them the news that we were being called away and uh, there would be a few more Sundays left and then we would be moving to Michigan, we were praying for support and just, you know, trusting God with all that. Someone who was in the church congregation that day, their first Sunday in our church, called me that week and said, hey, this was our first week at your church. We've been kind of church shopping around the area. But this Sunday, when we were driving to church, we really felt like God wanted us to start giving. It's been a while since we we haven't been able to give, and we were looking for an opportunity to give. And so then you got up and you said, you need help, and we want to help you. He said, we want to give you one month of the salary you need each year. I said, whoa, like that was totally, I didn't even know this person's name. I'd never met them. And here, God started to provide for our need in ways that were miraculous, things I would never have expected. I didn't even know some of the people involved uh, that made it possible for us to take that step and move here. But what's really fun is the story of how we ended up in the house that we have. Some of you have been to our house, and a few of you know the backstory that there was actually a different BCBC family that lived in that house before us, Dan and Michelle Fatal. Um, They had heard that there was a new family coming into town that needed housing temporarily, and they offered to let us borrow their house. Now, here's why they did that. We were foster parents in Ohio. We had multiple adoptions in process, and we couldn't exactly leave the state of Ohio with like unadopted kids that were foster care. So the state of Ohio said, you have to maintain your residency here We'll work with you in the transition, like they were super friendly to us, but we still had to have a house there. So the math was not working out very well, because on a salary that was about to disappear and turn into missionary support, not only did I have to keep the house I had, but I needed another place to live here if we were going to transition on the timeline that we felt like we were being led to. So then comes this phone call, here's a house you can borrow. And they said to us that um, 
they said it's fully furnished. There's dishes, there's towels, you can use everything in there. All you have to do is bring food. And they said, and by the way, we love the mission you're on. We want to help you, so we'll pay the electric. We'll pay for, we'll pay for everything. You can just live there. And they said, the only thing you need to pay for is your trash service. One of my friends was like, well, they weren't ready to give at that level, you know. But <laughs> the, uh, okay, so, so we literally go to our house totally free. We live there for months. Uh, they were trying to sell the house at the time, and they said the only thing we need to do is like occasionally clean it up if there's a showing. There were no showings. At that time, just nobody was biting. And so they called one day, and they said, you know, we know you, you, want, you want to live in this area. Have you thought about our house? They knew we were house shopping as well, but their house was pretty far out of our price range, and it also was not big enough. We had six kids at the time. We were, we, there was not enough bedrooms to make that a viable plan. And so I said, you know, we love your house. Like, it's, it's beautiful, but it's just not the right, the math doesn't work. So they thought about it a little bit, and they said, well, again, like, we really like what you're doing. We want to support you and help you however we can. What if we lower the price of the house, and after the transaction's done, we'll give you money to finish your basement so you have enough bedrooms? I said, well, okay, uh, we'll take that deal. The, uh, and so they made, they made this possible for us, something that we, it was totally out of reach for us when we started this journey. So when, I remember when we started, uh, when we were praying first about the whole opportunity to move to Michigan, we were expecting to, to make a sacrifice ourselves. We were expecting to kind of take some steps down and sort of tough it out. And yet what ended up happening is we ended up in a far better situation than what we came from. And I look up to heaven and say, wow, Lord, thank you. Like, we did not expect that. We thought we were the ones that were about to make a sacrifice when really it was God used the sacrifices of others to enrich our lives in an amazing way. And over and over again, God has shown that truth to be the case for us, that what you, when, when you say yes to him, when you step into a kingdom first life, God provides for your needs and God also gives you opportunity to provide for the needs of others. And that's why, I say there's, that's why I say there's so much adventure involved in this. You really don't know what's coming. You don't know what to expect. But the more that you step forward for God, the more you say, yes, Lord, I want to be generous. I want to live on the team in the kingdom, uh, the more that you start to see miracles happen. So that's just the beginning. We've had lots of cool stories like that in our family. And I know if we went around the room and talked to a lot of you, you have stories like that as well. Times when you've been the giver, times when you've been the receiver. Um, all of it gives glory to God, right? Each time these things happen, you look up to heaven. I mean, you thank the people involved, obviously, but you look up to heaven and you say, wow, Lord, thank you. I, I, didn't, I, did, I wasn't expecting life to work out that way. Uh, and yet here, you've made it possible. So all of that starts when in our hearts, we say, okay, Lord, I'm willing to part with sort of my control of my life. I'm willing to make a sacrifice. I'm willing to set it on the altar before you. So here's my question to you. How do I become a sacrificial giver? What does that really mean? How would any of us do that? It doesn't necessarily mean sell everything you have. It could mean that, but probably not. It starts with a mentality. It starts with something in your heart where you say, all right, Lord, I'll put everything on the table, every dollar, every item, every dream, everything I've got. I'm going to set it all on the table and I'll say, Lord, this belongs to you, not to me. 
So what would you have me do? And sometimes God will call you to manage that well and grow it. Sometimes God will call you to sell it or give it. Sometimes God will say, hey, this is, I've given all this. I just want you to say thank you for what you have. But when you put it all on the table, you're saying, instead of thinking of myself as an owner that's accumulating, I'm thinking of myself as a manager of God's resources. As soon as you make that mentality, you realize there's really not that much sacrifice involved at all. It's actually just faith. Faith that God will take care of you. Faith that God knows what he's doing. Faith that you can step forward and put God's kingdom first, and he really will provide for your needs. All right, I think about Romans 12, verse 1. Uh, It was referenced a little bit earlier today. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Say, Lord, not only is all of my stuff available to you kind of on the altar, as it were, but I am too. Everything I am, everything I have, Lord, I'm laying it before you. So if you want to use my life in a way that I don't expect, I'm open for that. Because this is your life, Lord, not not mine. I'm not claiming ownership or control anymore. All right, so I want to give you a few thought questions to kind of round this out. Not only to end this sermon, but to kind of round out this series as we've talked about a variety of ways to be generous. I just want to challenge you. And none of the questions I'm going to put on the screen next are meant to, to, they're not sort of designed to get you to do anything one way or the other just designed for you to think about what would God have you do. And I think the answer can be different for any one of us. I just want to challenge you to think about life from a little bit of a different perspective. Okay, so here's the first thought question. What if I gave away so much that I had to completely trust God for the next step? Have you ever been in that situation before? I actually remember a time when I felt this emotionally the most and it was it was right about it was that 10 years ago when we were making that decision to move over here from Ohio and I remember sitting in the sanctuary of the church that I used to pastor there trying to decide what to do with you know here's two paths in life what should I do with which one should I pick so praying for God to give me direction and I remember coming to this decision where I felt like I was supposed to lean toward yes unless God shut the door versus, you know, typically when you're sort of risk averse, you lean toward no unless like there's lightning in the sky that tells you to change. I felt like God wanted me to do it the other way around, to basically say, you know what, we're going to say yes unless God just slams the door closed. And I felt like in that moment, I was literally putting my livelihood in God's hands because I had no idea what would happen next. It was kind of... I don't know, a little bit fearful, you know, I was, I was definitely, uh, the heart rate went up when I was thinking, Lord, if I make this decision, if I tell my wife about this decision, if, I mean, she was with it, with me as well, but we kind of had come to this place where I needed to decide which road, you know, um, I knew I was committing to something that I did not have all the answers for, it was not all lined up ahead of time, so Lord, what do you want me to do? Here's another thought question. What would I find if I compared my generosity to the resources I'm spending on pleasure and entertainment? Now, you could pick any category of resources and do this comparison, but pleasure and entertainment, are the one, that's the way that we spend time and money that's the most focused on ourselves, right? 
So you think about the, whatever, the extra food you buy, the movie you went and saw, the, the fun thing you bought, the toy, the wh whatever it is. Say, it's not necessarily wrong to spend on those things, but as a matter of proportion in my life, is that most of my, I mean, is that all I'm focused on, just myself? Um, or are my proportions in some sort of a healthy place? Again, I don't know what the healthy proportion should be for you. I just want to challenge you. Say if, you, if your claim would be, I'm living for Jesus, but all of your money and time is spent on yourself, you're probably not really living for Jesus, right? All right, here's another one. And this is actually a fun one that I don't know if you all do this, but I do this probably more often than I should, where you kind of daydream about what you'd do if you were really, really rich. Anybody have fun with that sometimes? So um, if I had $100,000 to give right now, man, I would be excited to give it, wouldn't you? Well, all sorts of ideas of what I would do with that. So what stops me from giving less than that because I have less than that to give? Well, the principle is if you start when you have nothing and you're very faithful with little, as your income grows, as your opportunities grow, then you'll stay faithful with all of that growth. But if you're always thinking, man, someday when I'm just a little bit richer, I've got more time, then I'll get involved, well, someday never really comes. So there was a, a phone call I was a part of last year that was kind of fun. Um, we were, I'm, I'm on a team that helps mobilize money and resources to reach unreached people groups in Asia. So I was on a phone call related to that mission, and we're talking to this guy who, he, he said literally this, he, he said, man, if I had $100,000, I would do that, I would give it. And he was just kind of wishful thinking like the rest of us, right? Because actually $100,000 was the cost of one of the big projects, like to launch a Christian movement in an unreached area, that's what we determined the cost would be. He was like, man, if I had that money, I would just do it right now. So a couple days later, he called back to our team and he said, really been thinking about the fact that I actually do have $100,000. Like, whoa, what? <laughs> um, and uh, he said, yeah, I, you know, I, I just wasn't thinking about it at the time, but I actually have an inheritance coming in that I didn't expect, I wasn't even planning on, and it's worth about that. And I realized, like I had just said, if I had this money, I would do this, and now I realize I do have this money. So that guy actually gave a $100,000 check a few weeks later and his gift, now a year later, has, has launched a movement of new churches in a place that before had none. So really an, an amazing investment. So sometimes you just have to kind of watch your terminology, because if, you, if you're wishful thinking, like, man, if I had it, you might have it, so just be careful. Um, but uh, this is where it's fun. Sometimes you can say, Lord, if I had more to give, I would give it. Lord, would you give me opportunities to earn more or receive more so that I can give more? Another thought question, do I have space, time, or talent that I could be better utilizing to serve and love others? It's not, it's not really, the question isn't designed to make us feel guilty. It's just to say, if you have something in your hands, you want to maximize it. So are there, are there things in your life, are there opportunities around you that you just say, you know what, if I was more intentional, I probably could serve others more. Uh, do I have something I could sell or give up so that I could contribute more to God's kingdom? There was one guy who took this to a level that I just honestly, I'd be willing if God told me to, but I, I don't want to do it at this level. Um, a friend of mine in Ohio, uh, one time he heard about a missionary need and he literally did not have any money in his budget, so he decided to turn his thermostat down 
to spend less on gas bills so that he could give to missions. So his house was literally 55 degrees. Now, he lived alone. He did not have a family. And he wore hoodies a lot. But, uh, and I said, you know, hey, God doesn't call everybody to give in the same way. But for that guy, he realized he could do that. So, okay. Um, but if you just put the thought out there to the Lord, Lord, is there something I've got that I could sell or something I could give up that would actually empower me to be more generous? You never know what the answer might be. So that's where I want to come to our last question for today, the last question of the series. And that is, what if my sacrifice isn't really a sacrifice at all, but a trade-off? See, sometimes we think of things transactionally, like we think, man, like if God asked me to give that, I'd have to give that up. We kind of focus on what we're losing. But when you give, what are you gaining? So let's go back to Barnabas in Acts 4. We don't know a whole lot about that gift of the field he sold, but do you kind of suspect that for the years that follow that situation, Barnabas just kept feeling regret that he had sold that field? Man, think of the olive trees I could have grown on that thing. Think of the hours I could have spent on the lawnmower, but man, I just I gave it all up. You know, the, uh, I don't think Barnabas lived in regret because he gave a big gift. Do you? I don't know. It doesn't say, but... Barnabas actually became one of the people that got to go and travel and share the gospel with Paul and the other apostles. Like he took a key position in the church movement of that time. His gift empowered some of that. I think about Barnabas, he, he didn't sacrifice that field, he traded that field. And I think he made a good trade. See, sometimes when we're called to give, it's not, it's not about what you're giving up, it's about it's the trade you're making. I'm giving something earthly to gain something eternal. I'm giving something that was focused on me to gain the opportunity to serve others. That's not necessarily a bad deal for you. That might not really be a sacrifice in the sense of loss. That might just be you trading up instead of giving up. So I want to encourage you to think of life a little bit more like that that God might want you to change the way that you organize your calendar or your checkbook. He might want you to change how you think of generosity, how you share what you have, or maybe he doesn't. This is between you and God. But as you contemplate what you can give, as you contemplate a generous life, rather than thinking of it in terms of what you're losing, start considering what you're gaining as you say yes to God in this area. All right, so as we conclude here, I'd like us to pray, Lord, what bold gift should I give and where should I give it? And just let the Holy Spirit provide you with the answer to that question. So let's pray and ask him that. Lord Jesus, we recognize that you led the way in sacrificial giving. You gave yourself for us and we thank you for that, Lord. We live in eternal gratefulness for that. Now, as we want to follow you into the same kind of living and giving, would you instruct our hearts? Lord, what would you have us give, and where would you have us give it? How would you like us to grow from whatever, whatever level of generosity we find ourselves in right now today? How do you want us to grow from here? Lord, are there more opportunities that 
we could be leveraging for your kingdom? Is there more capacity or more focus? Lord, are there opportunities around us to partner with others and to share in your work in ways that we could never be a part of just alone? Thank you for filling your word with example after example of generous living. And Lord, thank you for giving us the opportunity to serve you, to love you, to care about eternal things, and then backing all of that with a promise that you will provide for our needs if we seek your kingdom first. So Lord, we want to rely on that promise today and in faith ask you about our own giving and where you want us to go from here. We look forward to finding out the answer, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. All right, thanks so much. We'll see you next week.